Aloha, Maui Nui. Hello, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Burkhart. It's Solar Coaster time. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. This is going to be a really fun episode. We got a guy trying to break the land speed record with an electric vehicle bike, an e-bike. What do you call it? Uh, yeah, it's an electric vehicle. It is in a bike form, which is two wheels. I don't know if you would call it like a regular motorcycle. It is, it is distinctly not. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool looking. It looks kind of like a, um, looks like almost like a, but, like a, like a hot rod or something like that. Right. It's like really Yeah, long. a little bit. And, but, but like all of those land speed record attempts, that's exactly what you get is uh, some unique, weird, wacky vehicle, uh, that, that is built to task. And that's exactly what he's doing. But this is one of those fun solar coaster shows where we actually get to see what happens on the periphery with all these other technologies that are coming coming to bear now. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really uh, excited to I, I actually just saw a video of him kind of, you know, g getting ready to find out how he could steer this machine as like a little road attempt. He's got stuff, all stuff all over YouTube. His name is uh, Shay Nyquist. He's going to be on the show with us. Yep. Really cool guy. It'll be really fun to be able to get a sense of what he's up to. I think he's going to do this thing soon, too. So, And he's, uh, and he's got a history in electric vehicle manufacturing so it's not like he's just coming out of the woodwork and, and making random stuff he actually does know what he's talking about all righty all righty <laughs> let's do uh let's do this thing you ready okay so hey folks this is the solar coaster we are renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely maui county we can be found fridays at 105 p.m on koi 1110 uh, a.m also some fm stations 96.7 fm central maui 96.5 fm west side 98.7 fm upcountry Every once in a while, the website gets an update, solar-coaster.com. You can go there, listen live, uh, actually see our uh, streaming in studio if you want to come and sit in the studio with us. Uh, but most importantly, we have all our old shows out there. I say it every show. Uh, if you are interested in some specific solar technology, chances are with two years on the air, we've talked about it by now. Um, you can go in and find the specific show that matters to you and listen to it right away. Uh, we're also available on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So you can go to your podcast networks and find that. Finally, if you have questions or comments for the Solar Coaster, certainly go to solar-coaster.com. Scroll down to the little uh, mailing list and or question form. You don't have to subscribe to the mailing list. But uh, if you've got a question that you want to get on air, you don't want to call for whatever reason, uh, just fill it in and we'll get your questions on the air. Solar Coaster is sponsored by some great uh, companies. Sundrum Solar doing some amazing projects that I think we'll hear about shortly, already hitting the media Absolutely. <laughs> uh, here in Maui. A uh, little inter you know, interesting thing there. Uh, thermal heat exchanging systems, really cool technology that you know sucks that heat right out of the PV panels and runs it through heat exchangers to do all kinds of great things with thermal and making your solar panels in your roofs about multiple times more efficient. And then, of course, you have Pantech Design, smart home equipment, working in partnership with Sonin and doing remarkable things with all these technologies and integrating your batteries and your solar system with your smart home. And also LG Chem. LG Chem is a, more, a recent sponsor of ours. LG is a juggernaut in the renewable energies industry out of Korea. They're doing some awesome stuff, PV panels, inverters, and, uh, and and storage all under one brand that you know. Now, of course, LG Electronics uh, manufactures the panels and the inverter. Uh, LG Chem manufactures the storage. But these are, these companies are really just doing amazing things. I'm really proud to have them on as sponsors of the Solar Coaster Day. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So here we go. Uh, this is the call-in show. If you'd like to give us a shout, folks, 808-242-7800 is the call-in line. Let's jump over to Pantech Design Minute. Pantech Design Minute number five. Smart, configurable backup power during grid outage. It's all in the circuit breakers. Systems with controllable circuit breakers, a Sonon Equalinks battery, and an Adapt EA energy automation package can benefit from what's called smart, configurable backup functionality. This allows the system not only to focus on managing excess energy production over what you're consuming, but further tailor energy consumption based on needs and priority defined by you, the homeowner. So in the event of a power outage, the system will provide backup power to specific circuits based on a predefined set of rules in the ADAPT-EA package. When a power outage occurs, the Sonin Equalinks begins providing backup power to the main panel. You are notified by ADAPT that it is providing backup power to your home, and you're presented with options on what you would like to power. If no option is selected, the system can be configured to default to a predefined mode of operation. The ADAPT-DA package then sends the selected profile to the controllable breakers, which then actuate the selected circuits to on or off position based on the user's selection or the predefined mode of operation. 
This unprecedented control and functionality allows you to have more power over longer run times for only the devices you need during an outage scenario, delivering safety, security, and functionality when your family needs it most. This has been the Pantech Design Minute. You know, Pantech, um, I'm seeing Pantech Design and Sonin and the Equalink's uh, suite of products kind of uh, take on these de these developer packages with these new communities all across the country. So it's happened, you know, mm -hmm. two or three times over the last year on the mainland. We haven't seen it happen here in uh, in, in Hawaii yet, but it certainly is uh, starting to show up in these kind of, you know, really nice kind of high-end communities where people are like, yeah, I want to have this kind of type of capability now. I'm ready to do it. Well, it's percolating, and, and that's really the, the thing is that these developers are all competing against each other. They need to have something that they can they can really show off. So what better way to, than, than to build an entire community of really smart, intelligent homes that run off solar power? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And, and form their own little microgrid. I mean, yeah, it's like a prepackaged uh, virtual power cool. plant too, right? If you got like oh. 100 or so houses there, it's pretty rad. I want to live there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. All right, what do you think? News and events time, Jay. Absolutely. News and events. This is something we've been talking about for two years. Batteries are finally making their way into cruise ships. Check this uh, out. Plug-in hybrids are sailing for the Arctic. This is on is Electric. Right? Yeah, this is on Electric.co. <laughs> Uh, they've been putting out more and more interesting stuff. Yeah, there's a couple of different ships apparently that uh, were under my radar. Uh, they, they were not on my radar, uh, you know. And they're doing mm -hmm. some of them can actually. Well, they're on the surface. You have to have surface radar. There you go. There you go. <laughs> they're pretty. Uh, they're pretty cool looking right. ships. They talk about in this article about how ferries have been operating this way for a while. They've had an opportunity. There's a company called Ampere, not Amp Air, to to confuse that with the uh, people like to play with that language there with the uh, aviation yeah, really company do. we had on air recently. But this is Ampere out of Norway and. Uh, they have had this ship up and running or some of these ferries for the last couple of years now, so it's not new. And uh, they're saying that these uh, ferries cut emissions by 95% and costs by 80%. Now, that is... Well, operating costs, but, well, I mean, the majority of it is fuel, right? I mean, <laughs> that's really what they do is they burn fuel up and down. And this was specific we talked about it before is that they basically were able to carry more cargo because they didn't need to have a a fuel tank or b a giant diesel engine uh so they could actually fit like another container or two on these on these inland river ferries um the operating costs are, are just a tremendous benefit. But then if you can couple that with actual solar, so like if on the docks on the, the big warehouse they have a large amount of solar, they literally charge a like a container battery and then load so that on the ship with the uh, with the rest of the cargo and then just offload it. And it's an instant recharge. For it's, them. It, it's amazing <laughs> to think awesome. of all of these new areas that are going to need solar farms to charge up storage for various kind of, you know, uh, transportation applications like we're talking about. Yeah. But this uh, this particular one, though, is is a hybrid cruise ship. They're talking about using batteries uh, to improve the ship's ability to travel long distances. That's the biggest problem that they have is that the batteries, of course, run out. And if you can't charge on solar alone, uh, because you don't have enough surface area on your boat, it, it doesn't really doesn't really help you. The interesting thing is, though, if you have batteries and even even a, a g diesel generator in in some respect, the most we, we've learned the most efficient way to run the generator is actually to run it at maximum capacity, mm. charge your batteries, and then draw from the batteries over time as you need them. Right. More. So you get massive burst, charge up the battery. You're not wasting anything because if you're charge if you're, the generator's running, the generator's running. So you just want to take all the power out that you possibly can, charge those batteries, and then use the battery over time. Uh, so really going to be an interesting thing. One thing I've learned recently, though, is that the lithium technology batteries really don't like to be charged in the cold. So when uh -huh. I first learned about this maiden voyage to the Arctic, I mean, they must have some kind of temperature control uh, mechanism, but if they ever go flat and the batteries go cold, I mean, it's it's a recipe for fire. That's 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 um, the same problems we're having okay. with the, uh, the the Dreamliner aircraft mm -hmm. <laughs> that aren't allowed to fly over U.S. soil. Um, if it, it, what happens is is they they when you try to cram energy into them and they're they're at sub-zero temperatures, uh, they start oxygen, which is that that puffiness you see in in a battery pack. Um, it's actually oxygen. And it's a recipe for fire. So really, really bad um, if they're not temperature controlled. 
Right, right. Well, I mean, temperature's uh, an issue with, with energy storage across the board, but that's a great point because sure. these, this one's traveling in an area that's, you know, freezing. <laughs> it says so, directly going to the Arctic. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. When you think about our, our uh, exposure to this with EcoShip kind of early on, I think that was about two years ago mm-hmm. now, Jay. Uh, yeah, now we're starting ago. to see right. the industry kind of follow suit. And, and, and even with, you know, us kind of thinking about that right on top of our minds, and it, it, we still, I, I wasn't aware that there's a cruise ship that has the ability, I think it's something like it can run on batteries for about an an hour, hour, 45 to 60 minutes, right? That's what its capability is, this new one. Um, right. So, but d- right. the, uh, batteries alone, moving an entire ship is pretty uh, pretty remarkable. And uh, so it'll, that'll extend and they'll go further and further down the road. But yeah, it seems like uh, the maritime industry is set to have some major changes. All righty. Well, you want to jump over to- uh, Absolutely, to finally, the, finally, the tr- <laughs> finally getting there. I mean, if you, if you, if you look at the history with, with um, electric vehicle, cars uh, we started with hybrids so this this the shipping industry is basically in the same place it's following yeah it's following hey let's talk about trees man yeah. sure uh, how to erase 100 years of carbon emissions um, plant trees it's <laughs> one of the one of the article in National Geographic is is, is coming up um, it's it's kind of obvious that we've been harvesting forests for many many years and so that's that's one of the things that's that's contributing to our our global carbon issue is that we don't have nearly as many trees as we used to on the planet. Um, I've been delving deep, actually, this week into um, direct carbon capture technology. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a lot of things, a lot of math that comes into into play here when you're talking about um, how many millions of acres are available, how many millions of hectares are available, how many trees fit in your average um, hectare of land. Um, it, it actually can be up anywhere between a thousand and 2,500. Um, but it's, it's just that the scale of the task of planting all these trees that we've been cutting down for hundreds of years, um, is, is monumental. Um, and so I don't know if this, I mean, obviously we need to plant more trees that that's a given, but I don't think it's the only solution. If that well. makes any sense. Oh, sure. Yeah, no. I mean, there's, you know, what occurs to me is that it's the time frame, right? So even if we were to mobilize and start to reforest rather than deforest, which seems to still be uh, the, you know, basically what's happening. Uh, There's been a, you know, a ramp up in in deforestation. Some of the major countries that have the opportunity to make an impact with these carbon sinks like Brazil right now is something like 80 or 90 percent above last year in terms of deforestation. So even if we were to cut that down, uh, even if we were to cut down that, uh-huh. that rate and then start to find, you know, mobilize some kind of global um, reforestation initiative, the time frame that would take is, it seems to me, you're talking about decades and decades for it to mature and start to be able to do its job. Is, is that right, Jay? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we really need to pursue it every single technology available to us. Um, the interesting thing I was, I was looking at was the, um, the um, carbon engineering uh, direct capture technology. Mm. Uh, it's a company that I'm, I'm trying to get in touch with for a future episode. Uh, they have, actually Bill Gates is invested in the company, but they have a really cheap, scalable, direct carbon capture technology that will essentially replace <clears throat> the work of, of 40 million trees per year for, for a single factory. And that equates to reforesting um, 39,000 acres. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a hell, it's a hell of a lot of land, a hell of a lot of trees. Um, you know, when, I, I, heard in, a mon- I heard a dollar figure put on that. I, I think it's the same technology. And basically this technology mm-hmm. has been proven to work and it's possible to scale, right? And yeah, uh, but exactly. the dollar figure on that is somewhere in the territory of like four trillion dollars, I think, to be able to. Okay. And it's and what they're but the the and when we say, oh, well, how could we possibly do that? But when we start looking at the subsidies for the fossil fuel uh, industry, it looks like a, a similar number. So if you were to shift those subsidies over from fossil fuel to uh, carbon capture, you might have an opportunity to really make a huge impact on the amount of uh, carbon in the atmosphere. Ab- abs- absolutely doable. And and the third thing is that that number doesn't t- probably take into account the commercial value of the carbon you can actually do things with it there's a lot of stuff that if, if we can create like, a closed like loop system like farming where stuff, we, we do farming um, actually creating synthetic fuels is part of the part of the question yes you're burning it again but if you're recapturing then you create a closed loop ecosystem you're not adding any more to 
the air, you know, you're, you're pulling it out, using it, it goes back into the air, but you can capture it again. So it goes, it goes in a circle. We're not pulling it out of the ground and mm. adding new carbon all the time. Um, oh, wow. that's, that's, that's kind of the same conversation with biofuels, you know? Um, so, so that's, that's certainly possible. Um, again, there needs to be more, more research, but I, we need, we cannot afford to not pursue every single avenue. And I really want to find out more about that technology specifically. Uh, but go out and plant a tree today, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's really close to home from an arborist family here. So, hey, um, let's yeah. talk about some of those solutions, chiefly the uh, electric vehicle things that are happening in the, in, out in the, in the space right now. Toyota's doing some amazing stuff. Rivian's doing some amazing stuff. Uh, you wanna, which one do you want to start with? Do you want to take a look at uh, uh, Toyota? Real, real quick, let's look at the Toyota. Um, this is another electric article where you can see that the, the new Toyota solar electric car, um, they have actually, they're claiming 34% plus uh, solar to battery uh, conversion efficiency, which is crazy because that's more than the theoretical limit for silicon solar panels. 34% <laughs> plus. Yeah. Oh, so that's what is solar battery cell conversion efficiency. Uh, so that's that's energy hitting the car, any any solar energy hitting the car, uh, being converted and stored in the battery. Um, these must be some kind of perovskite uh, multi multi layer cell because there's no way it could be a traditional silicon panel. Um, it is but ugly. <laughs> the car is but ugly. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, is yeah. the ugliest little car I've ever seen. It, it seems like Toyota constantly tries to make the least attractive electric vehicle possible. <laughs> it well, really, it, it just is yeah, not a wasn't, nice wasn't looking Toyota car. Putting a betting on hydrogen. I mean, is this? Have they? Are they started they, to make some changes and move they, towards they, EVs? Toyota, as well? Toyota invested heavily in hydrogen early on. I mean, they know they're playing with solar. They, they, it's it's they're they're hedging. Their, but Toyota's big enough that they can hedge their bets in both directions. But it just never seems like they put any effort into aesthetic whatsoever that that nice uh roof we saw um at lg's booth was mm. absolutely fantastic right oh, the right the panels were all edited but it was all smoke black and looked really chic this is just a whole bunch of panels it almost looks on like one of the, the like one of those uh <laughs> those contests in a college where they do like a solar car exactly. they weren't they yeah, weren't thinking like about aesthetic solar cars you ran down come on guys yeah, they got their all half cut cells right yeah yeah, <laughs> so. yeah they, actually they look they look really small these little cells yeah they're half cuts um, man. you gotta think so so that's so that's so that's the thing um there it is not the first time people have tried to slap solar panels on a car uh we've covered the light year one as well uh which which is a prototype but it actually actually um tends it seems to work really well uh you can get a number of, of miles of range and then of course uh, there's this other thing that you sent me was this odyssey the odyssey 21 from um, extreme e yeah uh, this is not a consumer vehicle this is a recreational racer <laughs> right i mean it's an off-road off-road vehicle yeah, pretty exciting looking um, is it is it for sale is it for sale to consumers or is it just like a, a one-off i don't thing? i don't really i mean i i think you can get it as, prototype. as a yeah. like if you wanted to enter a particular off-road race and and race it i'm pretty sure you can buy one but it's not something you just walk into a dealership and and purchase uh it is strikingly cool if you want to look up wow. the the extreme e uh odyssey 21 it like is mad it max is very like but without yeah, the noise. Yeah, <laughs> if, if Mad Max was clean, I suppose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> clean and eco-friendly, Max. <laughs> there you go. There you oh, go. No. I don't think that exists. No, the whole point was was going to find water it, and going to find it, fuel. It's a rad looking. <laughs> it's a rad looking uh, machine here. I mean, this is really exciting looking. So, there's is there are they using these for races or something like rally races? Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. It's it, it's off-road um, Baja type competition. So. Okay, so that's the extreme. That's let's also bring it, Let's bring it back to let's bring it back to the realm of mere mortals here. Um, Rivian is a company that we had on the show uh, a number of months ago, right after they announced their uh, first truck, the Rivian um, truck, and it's it's caused a tremendous stir in the industry. I mean, in, in America, pickup trucks are a thing, right? We we purchase the most of them. Uh, for the entire for the entire planet, uh, we really haven't seen a huge adoption of electric vehicles because no one has offered a practical, real electric truck yet. Hmm. Um, so Rivian was quietly working in the background. They ran they ran in stealth mode for a long, long time like until that that auto show, and we had them on. Yeah. We had them on. Um, 
and and they they all of a sudden they popped up and they have this whole concept where they built a an electric what they call the skateboard which is basically just the chassis right it's it's the wheels the powertrain the battery system and everything you need but then you can build basically anything any kind of car vehicle you want on top of it so right. if you want to do a regular pickup you could do that you want to do a super cab you could do that you want to do an suv of some kind you can do that it just it's literally just transplanting the top of the vehicle for whatever kind of purpose that you want to do and it does have some modification options vw is moving in a similar direction where they want to have a modular chassis that will be able to to be any number of vehicle types so they're trying to to streamline this whole electric vehicle manufacturing process so okay so that's rivian and of course amazon yep. has uh has put a bunch of money into this uh, something like seven hundred yep. million dollars. Seven hundred million, yeah. Uh, Ford put some money into it too, but Am they were this article here. What is this on Utopia Press? They're talking about how Amazon's also betting on other companies like Aurora, which I believe is is that the the design software, Aurora. And I'm not sure if it's the same company. If it is, that's that's fantastic because they're very vertical. <laughs> yeah, and they're saying how these companies together are make uh, uh, anyway these types of bets that Amazon's making uh, makes it likely something like he says in the top of this article like seventy percent. What do you say? Eighty uh, percent that uh, Rivian will be acquired in the next five years, and it's seventy five percent. It makes it, it'll be Amazon. So that's what he says about the yeah. Uh, I mean, it just, it just makes sense. But there's a, there's a lot of other stuff going on there. Is that Amazon? Is is getting uh, what was it? They're, they bought they bought heavily into that new company. What's the name of it? That all the the ex Google and, and Tesla uh, AI uh, drive autonomous uh, driving guys, stuff. Guys yeah, all the autonomous driving well, stuff. Well, I they, guess they, they, they're looking at delivery stuff, heavily, right? With, with autonomous vehicles, well. they're is looking that, for that they're complete doing? solution. And they're probably looking for a complete solution to do deliveries. Yeah, it's a delivery <laughs> thing, right? So they're talking about a delivery play for for Amazon. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I can see that. That is a big deal. So Absolutely keep your eye on sense. Rivian. Um, and then we, we haven't got much more time here, Jay. You want to cover one last piece or you want to um, uh, anything you want to say? Well, let's, ju let's jump over. We can come back to some fun news if we uh, if we have time. But I want to get talking. Okay, so uh, let's go to our commercial. We'll be right back with Shay Nyquist. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Rezu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Rezu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Rezu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Resu battery. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. All right, those were our wonderful sponsors. Thanks so much for keeping the solar coaster on the tracks. Uh, we are here with uh, Shay Nyquist. Uh, Shay, can you hear us okay? I can hear you okay. Can you hear me? Fantastic, fantastic. Welcome, Great. welcome. Yeah, you bet, you bet. Welcome to the Solar Coaster, Shay. We're uh, super stoked to hear about you. I have your um, your your website up, LarkMachineCo.com. There's a pretty striking vehicle on the uh, uh, right on the homepage. Boom! As soon as you go there, what is going on here? What is what are you up to, Shay? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, my, my buddy Jordan took that photo and an amazing shot of the bike, and it's still in its rough form, um, as you see it there. Um, it is kind of the, the bare-bones structure of, of what I'm trying to achieve, and I'm, I'm trying to build a, a two-wheeled uh, electric motorcycle to break the land speed record for for uh, streamliners. So there's going to be a nice, pretty body around that. 
Um, that's going to be all aerodynamic, but this, that's kind of the nuts and bolts and the under the skirt look. So, so uh, how, how on earth do you come to uh, make that decision to break the uh, land speed record for streamliners? Is that what you said? So what, yeah, what, electric, yeah, electric streamliner motorcycle. So, so what, um, yeah, how do you get there? Yeah, so my my wife and I went out to Bonneville one year. I've been a longtime motorcycle builder, like Harleys and Hondas and Choppers and Cafe Racers. So I've always had that kind of, uh, you know, background for fabrication and love for motorcycles. And we went to Bonneville for one of the Mike Cook shootouts, I think, in 2017. And uh, I just I started looking at the, the, the bikes that people had there, and I realized that they weren't as crazy as what I thought they were. You know, I thought they were like rocket ships, and it turns out they're just like home-built barn motorcycles, you know, mm-hmm. which seemed insane to me. So after looking at them for a little bit, um, I had kind of a wild notion that I wanted to build one and uh, back at my house I had just uh, worked out kind of a trade deal where I was recycling some batteries and I got a motor like out of the deal so I had a full drivetrain and a full battery that I was going to sell you know back to people making home under storage grids and for the home and I just realized that like I had all the big ticket items and all I had to do was just build a you know all I had to do was build a streamliner part of it but it seemed like everything was in place and like it was the time to do it it was a really achievable record which is 247 approximately miles per hour so i'm looking to get somewhere above that so who holds that record now (laughs) yeah yeah uh a a girl named eva hawkinson but she has actually a um it's considered a motorcycle but she has a third wheel and it's a sidecar class so it's a different class but it is a a, a, considered a motorcycle so i'd like to be the fastest overall electric motorcycle so that's what i'm going for Okay, that that was going to be the next question. Is it, is it electric or is this intu- including internal combustion? Is, is it separate oh no, no thing? internal combustion, all, all electric. Yeah, batteries and motors. You know, that's it. Okay, so you're so you're so, not taking aim at like the entire two wheeled land speed I would love record. To. It's it's electric specific. It is right now. It is electric specific, but um, you know, Eva Hawkinson has another bike that she's building to go for the overall one, which uh, you know is the 400 mile per hour mark that's where everyone's kind of running for and my bike is, no. is developed with some old lithium iron phosphate cells that are like 80 percent state of health and the motor is you know maybe 10 years old but it still puts out 200 something horsepower so i'm i'm running behind in my technologically most because i'm i'm self-funded i'm doing this on the weekends but uh, my future what i'd like to do is uh, you know basically get some sponsorship and, and bring in better batteries bring in a better motor and i have the platform to increase the horsepower or you know kilowatts exponentially and i think that that's kind of the long-term goal is is to get up there and beat the the gas guys so have uh, so yeah that's what i want to see <laughs> yeah i know jay's got a boatload yeah. of research and questions and stuff but so i mean have um have there are there other guys out there with with bikes similar to this uh that that you're competing with i mean is there a bunch of electric bikes out there on the bonneville salt flats on, a, on an annual basis where they're where they're trying to beat each other to this to this particular goal no, not uh, just just this other girl, Eva Hawkinson. She's been she's been doing it for I don't know maybe ten years or something. But she more recently broke the, her her class record, which in my opinion is the overall electric motorcycle record. Uh, but there, you got guys coming out with like lightning motorcycles who have something around like two hundred mm-hmm. and ten miles an hour somewhere around there. But this uh, this is totally foreign to most of these guys. Uh, everyone that I've I've kind of reached out to the local land speed community and. Surprisingly enough, this area where I live in, San Francisco Bay Area, there's a lot of guys, and they they've been really receptive to helping me like choose my tires, choose my wheels, you know, figure out equations. And they are just they have no clue about electric. You know, they put like dual Jixer thousand horsepower motors on there, and they put like dragster V8s with a three thousand horsepower. So the the EV stuff is just mind blown to them. You know, they come over. Uh, I tell them, like, you know, don't touch the motorcycle in this area, you know, and they'll be walking around with scissors in their hand, like, dangling over high-voltage batteries, and I'm like, yo, like, <laughs> I don't want to be rude, like, you're old, but you're, like, super smart, but please don't do that, because it's dangerous. <laughs> so, it's it's a it's an awesome scene of, of really cool people, but the electric stuff is just fo- completely foreign to them, which is which is fun. So now your your background, Shay, you you're are you? Did I read that you were an aerospace engineer? What what, what is your educational background? Yeah, so I went to school. Um, I went back to school after doing uh, BMX, uh, extreme BMX for like ten years, and I did photography as well. And I went back to school in my uh, late twenties for aerospace engineering at San Jose State, 
uh, mostly because I was too injured to, to ride bikes anymore, and I had to I had to think about something for the future. So, um, and after I graduated, I went to work for a, a battery company where I was just just designing batteries for home energy storage, for transportation, for any you know consumer product that someone wanted to come uh, have us design. And I did maybe two years of that where I worked with some of the large OEMs around the world for doing like a battery pack design. And then I moved from that to another local uh, EV startup startup company, quote unquote, where I did uh, a lot of battery pack design and uh, vehicle integration. So do, building mule cars and, you know, putting in prototype components and building a whole entire system. You know, when, uh, yes. one of the things that kind of attracted me to their story right out of the gate is this notion that, you know, electric, there was for a long time electric vehicles or electric, electric, uh, electric powered uh, different types of things was kind of seen as, a, you know, like a, a rinky dink kind of toy. But now the way after Musk's, you know, example uh, of not only making something that's comparable, but something that's better on a lot of levels, I saw this and I thought, oh, geez, now, you know, now you're going to, uh, EVs are going to, or electric bikes are going to dominate this space too. And this space, too you know and all these different things are happening all around we, the world. we literally are like 48 hours away from the the moto gp sponsored moto e season start right this is their, their inaugural season <laughs> oh really I, I didn't even know that yeah was no, it's, it's it's happening right now they actually had a they had a massive fire uh i think back in march um they lost all 18 bikes and oh like the initial the initial 18 bikes and the laptops and all the driver kit and everything else and um, they're only just getting back to it now, but uh, but it's I think it starts on the seventh. Yeah, I mean so you gotta watch that. <laughs> I'm I'm de- I'm a big fan of Formula E too, so I'll definitely tune in for that one. Uh, it's yeah. it's interesting though because you the land speed you start to see these areas of motorsports where uh, electric actually makes more sense. You know, like Pikes Peak where the altitude change is like severely hinders the the performance of the vehicle, and now you can see like hill climb vehicles are you know specifically electric for multiple reasons you know the other thing is you have uh you know adjustable traction so the the ev world is definitely going to push auto auto sports to the next level and i think the the main issue we have there is batteries um you know battery storage yep. and the power thermal and everything else but I, that's all going to be solved by the cell manufacturers you know in the future you know I, i'm i'm laying that up to them but i'm i'm sure in 10 years we'll have a, a much better battery than we have now so and you're speaking as a guy who's designed batteries, so that's. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I design battery systems. I'm not. A, I'm not specifically a cell guy. I, I do the mechanical engineering for the integration of battery cells into a larger system. So, okay, got it. So, but so, I, I'm very excited for that future of the battery because I think that's going to be the threshold at which you know electric vehicles just take take over completely in all aspects. I mean, you have this massive amount of power. You have control over all four wheels, which is kind of like the the Audi, you know, uh, like four-wheel drive rally sport, but now you have, like, torque vectoring, right? So you can do all, all mm-hmm. four wheels, increased traction, and a 1,000 horsepower on a mom mobile. You know, it's just insane. Yeah. That's, that's, that leads me right into a question that I had, and a lot of people have been asking me. Um, I, have, I have a source, uh, ride, rides a, uh, a tuned 214-horsepower uh, Ducati 1299S, um, mm-hmm. and he specifically asked me, what are you doing with motor control? Because that one of the one of the the best things about electric is that you have all your torque all the time, but it'll also bite you because as soon yeah. as, as you could reach reach a reasonable speed, I mean, how do you how do you keep your bike in a straight line? <laughs> yeah, so the, the, my, I've definitely been you know uh, teetering with like the old school on this as far as like my motor control. Um, yeah. I I'm using just a, a throttle and uh, I have a, a positive torque input and a reverse torque input so i have basically a brake re- slash reverse or regen and then i have a throttle um the other thing i've done is i've i've been working on uh speed sensors for the front and rear tire so i have a feedback loop that gives me if there's more than a 10 to 15 percent differential in wheel rpms and that's based on the slip under acceleration like if i'm doing a burnout you yeah. know a light will flash inside the cockpit and say hey lay off you're doing a burnout you know hopefully that'll be enough time for me to not just completely fall on my side but uh, in the future if i do have issues with that i can build that into a feedback loop and do like a, a traction control with my throttle so i have so, uh, like an arduino with it with a cam bus reader on there for my vcu and that that 
converts my torque inputs to the to the inverter and basically tells it how fast to go kind of thing. But overall, it's a pretty basic vehicle as far as like the amount of electronics and controllability. I would love to move into the area of increasing that, but at this time, I'm just working at getting the thing functional with aerodynamics and trying to go out there and break a record. So. All right. Well, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like you're. At least you have the light. I mean, I, I would like to see something that would react faster than than your normal human input. Oh, the light's going on. By the by the. I mean, <laughs> by the time you see the light, you're gonna be you're gonna be low side. <laughs> yeah, I mean potentially um, the same as a normal motorcycle. Though. I mean, I've never had traction control on a motorcycle, and you can you can feel it get a little floaty, and you you figure it out after a while. So. Yeah. Cool though. Don't kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the goal. Definitely want to break a record and not a uh, not scratch up the fresh body that I'm gonna make. So yeah, right. so pretty excited yeah. to see what that uh, that body looks like. Right now, it's got you're gonna get the frame and and all the internal pieces shown right there on the website. But I guess you're working on the uh, the body itself and kind of like the, do you have any sense of what that might look like? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I uh, I went to school for aerospace, so I did some uh, preliminary um, CAD models. Uh, computer generated models for the the shape of it to try and figure out like you know how wide how long how much drag it would potentially have and I came up with a couple a couple models that were kind of just really nice flow lines from what I had from what I had on like the, the chassis and I ran um, two different tests I ran a CFD which is the computational fluid dynamics with a free program online called Simflow um, and that gave me kind of the generalized coefficient of drag um, and then I tried to figure out my stability by building uh, smaller, like, 20th scale models. And I did what we call a rocket test, where you tie a string to the center of gravity and you swing it above your head. And you look to see if it's uh, stable, like if it flies straight or if it spins. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are kind of some dumb, dumb ways to figure out your, your stability for the wind resistance. But I actually uh, made some improvements over the body based on those tests. And I sent the model over to a a grad student for aerospace who does uh, CFD testing for some formula teams. And he gave me like a more uh, proficient uh, CFD result as far as the body and everything else. So I've got a, a pretty good shape, a, a very low coefficient of drag, uh, which is, you know, he theoretically he's projecting like 0.07. But with the wheel cutouts, the rivets and seams, I'm looking at like 0.1 or so, which is pretty low as far as coefficient of drag. And then add, add the small cross-sectional area and you've got a very slippery vehicle that hopefully can you know break a world record very good wow it's amazing so when are you going to go for uh for the for this record uh shay yeah so uh the first i just took the bike out um for its maiden road voyage i snuck it out on a freshly paved road by my house and we kind of shut down both directions and i went up to about 80 miles an hour on a a little two-laner um just to kind of figure out uh like if the balance was correct you know if, if because slow speed, it's very uh, precarious to drive. It's, you sit inside of it, and it has two little uh, tillers, like levers, that control the handlebars. So you don't, there's no way a conventional motorcycle. So learning to drive it was pretty complex. So that test was good for me to do a proof of concept. And now we're, go, we're building the body. We're going to take it out to El Mirage, hopefully, first. And then in September, we're trying to take it to Bonneville to, to try and do a, a record-breaking run. Um, it's going to be a big task because we got uh, a lot of additional safety equipment we have to buy for the two, 200 mile prior uh, plus. So we actually we just started a GoFundMe and we're trying to get some funding or sponsorship for the to finish off the project to get some of the bigger ticket items. Uh, but that plan is for September and we're we're pushing forward no matter what. We're going to get there and, and see what we can do. Excellent, excellent. And how can people find uh, if they're interested in supporting you? How can they uh, find your GoFundMe and learn more about you? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I have a website, LarkMachineCo.com, and there's a donate button on there, which is always helpful. And then I've also got a GoFundMe, uh, which is Lark Streamliner, L-A-R-K, and Streamliner. Um, yeah, I'd love for people to go there and at least check out the project, share it if you're interested in it. Uh, it's definitely something that I'm passionate about, and I'm looking forward to, to beating the gas guys in the future because it's just uh i think that this would be a good push for electric in the in the automotive racing as well and it's a perfect application for it oh it's huge very cool stuff and i'm just picking up your large streamliner uh, gofundme now so if you guys uh want to check out uh shay and 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 keep an eye on on this record or help him out you know go to go there and 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 uh you know check check them out learn all about it awesome man thanks i also have a a, a couple of youtube ch- uh videos that have been like the build so if you guys are into batteries uh there's a high voltage battery build video where i build my i show you how to build a 
114S 15P lithium ion phosphate battery. And, oh, sweet. Uh, I did some backyard no. uh, nail penetration tests with a, a nail gun and a, and a, a 22 caliber uh, rifle. So, <laughs> okay. We'll have to take yeah. a look at those. Well, it's cool. It's, yeah. I, I'm personally inspired to see the fellows like yourself out there, you know, especially when you're doing it in your free time uh, and then, you know, just kind of contributing to the conversation, moving things forward. I think it's a really big deal and I, I, I really appreciate yeah. it. You know, it's just awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. generally how, how I, I think I said that before the, sh before the show is that it generally starts with the, the home hobbyist guys who have a little bit of knowledge and do stuff. And then, like you said, you, you'll get some sponsors and we'll just, we're just going to see this record climb, but, but go yeah. take on the, uh, Go take on the internal combustion. Those records need to come down. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And the batteries are, will be there soon as far as energy density. I've already My battery right now, I think it weighs 650 pounds. Um, and I've already got a replacement battery that's maybe 85%, but it weighs 250 pounds. You know what I mean? So it's oh, like, wow. it's yeah. insane how much over the last five years batteries have moved forward. And they're just moving forward just as fast. So you're it, seeing it, you that. know. It, it, if I can have this chassis bolted together and ready for new components, I'll be able to just keep moving forward and keep putting more horsepower in there. So it's really exciting. I'm really excited about it. Very good. Well, it sounds like you, with your battery background, working with these different companies, you may be able to help us in the future. We want to do a show kind of that maps out what's happening with batteries in a way that's understandable for us first and for everyone else yeah. as well. So maybe we could talk to you again uh, as we get further down the road with that idea. So there you go, everybody. This has been uh, Shay Nyquist of uh, the the Lark uh, can I, of Lark Machine Co. Is that the actual company, Lark Machine Co.? And yeah, that's, that's my company. All right, all right, cool stuff. Can't thank you enough for joining us here at the Solar Coaster. Uh, be safe and uh, break that record. Can do, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, a lot, brother. All right, have a good one. <laughs> there you go. There you very, go. That's very, a neat, very, that's very, a neat very, one. Um, I'm super. I'm thrilled. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, you're seeing all these folks out there just just making kind of taking it one step at a time and and kind of nudging the whole industry along, right? I mean, and that's something that I wouldn't have thought about when I saw him first. I was like, what's this guy doing? This is amazing, you know. He's out there, and he probably will be in the space of the next year or so, taking on the uh, internal combustion. What are they, you know, uh, drag racing bikes out there in Bonneville? Yeah, his streamliners is specifically what they're called. Um, that, that seems to be his his area of expertise. He didn't he didn't know about the MotoGP, but that doesn't surprise me. Uh, that is coming up. Like I said, I just rechecked on on July seventh is their inaugural race. So if you like motorcycle racing. Uh, you probably want to check it out because it's going to be so very different than your your traditional um, gas powered. Yeah, racing. I want to see that. I want to <laughs> see that. Hey, we have a unique opportunity here to actually spend a little time on our future focus, Jay. Um, Absolutely. Wow, check this um, out. I, I want to talk about this this little solar array thing that you sent me the, the expandable solar array uh, this is from techcrunch.com uh, solar array expands itself at the right temperature so it actually when it gets hit with sunlight and warms up it unfolds like a flower it's the weirdest thing um, you know those those balls they sold at Toys R Us that the, 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 oh, yeah. they're actually called Hoberman spheres um, but they're the, the little spiky ball but then you throw it it expands it turns into a big giant ball and kids like wearing them and yeah. poking each other with them and whatever else um, it looks a lot like that and, and in fact the the engineering behind it is is kind of similar um, it is a shape memory polymer, which means that when you, you, you um, create it, it's in one form. And then when you, you heat it up, it goes to another form. It actually doesn't come back. So it, this is a one-time use kind of deal. Uh, it could be used for shipping and stuff like that. But oh, it, it doesn't retract. As, as, it moves in one direction. It doesn't retract. It doesn't retract. When it gets cold, it doesn't, it doesn't go back to its, its smaller state. So I, I could see a, like a use case where you would pack these on a uh, rocket for example, for right. satellites, right. where it would take up a lot less space than a, a deployed solar panel. And then when it gets up there, it, it's, it's cold in space. But then when the sun hits it, the, the temperature differential is extreme, right? Um, because there's no atmosphere. So you get a lot of heat right away that would open the cells and then they would stay open in that in that position. But it's, it's a nice way to like jumpstart the deployment of a larger solar array or something like that. Um, it does strike me as a little bit wasteful because there is so much space in between each and all these cells. <laughs> oh, it's just not super efficient. It's kind of more of like a if you space. need... 
Yeah, well, they're trying, they're trying situation. to save space, but at the same time, they're losing a lot of space. So I'm not sure what their target is. It seems more like we let's do this so that we could say that we did this as uh, opposed to really be. having a real a real use case. Uh, the thing that occurred to me is it's kind of like in a way it's kind of like this biomimicry, right? It looks like a flower unfolding. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and they're, so you're putting together these kinds of technologies that, uh, you know, harken back to the, you know, the things that we already we see in our day to day lives. We use, the, use that as inspiration. I mean, I thought that was neat about this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the last thing I want to cover, I, I, we, we, we got to get political and I don't know if it's the right thing to do at the end of the show. Um, oh, the but debate. the first um, Democratic debates just happened. They spent. Um, an entirety of 15 minutes on climate change and the questions were just awful <laughs> yeah. I was really really disappointed with the way it was handled um, it's it's it strikes me as odd that that it was it was so poorly done because this this climate change debate is going to be mark my words it's going to be the defining characteristic of this next election cycle it just is um, and and it seems like a lot of people didn't have their ducks in a row. They're just trying to differentiate themselves from the from their competition. Um, yeah, there was. I mean, they, they got it well. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Well, Elizabeth Warren, she said uh, she made her climate appeal to the workers for the central focus of her campaign. She said there is a twenty three trillion dollar market coming for green products. She said we should be the leaders and the owners, and we should have that one point two million manufacturing jobs here in America. So she was kind of you know able to talk about that in relationship to jobs, which of course is another you know core area of these types of debates. So I mean, it, it, I. It, Jeez, I don't know. You say you think it's going to be a defining feature of, of the presidential debate. I think it could. Absolutely. I, I think that it should. I, I but I, I don't know. I mean, is are the powers that be going to allow that to be the dialogue of the narrative? I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. Pardon. <coughs> pardon. Um, it just it just doesn't it doesn't seem. It, it's too important not to be. You know. That's, so, yeah, well, in this in this article, they're talking about how they say a climate debate needs a different format. So there this article is in what inside climate So it's kind of like a climate periodical. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that the way they approached it in this debate, it's just it was, I guess, underplaying the importance of it. It can't just be another debate. It needs to be the fundamental thing, which is what you're saying. Right. So um, what I'm saying. should there be like a climate debate? Should that be like a, a, simply that is what you're there to talk about and you're going to stack up against each other based on, on that particular issue? I mean, it seems like they certainly would like right. that. And, and, and it's, it certainly comes down to the fact that, that a, lot of, a lot of people really don't understand um, climate change, what's going on, or what, what they can do about it. Um, at, at, in, in the middle of the news segment, I told you to go out and plant a tree. That would be a good one. Um, turn off the air conditioning, open a window <laughs> every once in a while. Uh, you can do stuff every day in your life to, uh, to help even, even a little bit. And, and that's what we need is to explore every opportunity. Well, it looked like um, basically they didn't really, you know, they didn't really, they didn't treat it as, um, they, uh, did they even get into the Green New Deal, for example? I don't know if that was even brought no, up. No, not at all. Right? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it feels like it's being kind of uh, uh, underscored. I mean, it's just not, not getting the kind of, you know, center underplayed. stage. Underplayed. <laughs> that, that it needs yeah. to have, right? So, well, maybe, and when's the right. next debate? We, we've got something else coming up soon. Maybe they'll be able to focus on a little more then. Absolutely. And if you, and if you have an opinion on climate change or the, the political um, situation there, if you have questions that you think we should, we're, we're eventually going to get into a position where we can ask these people uh, questions, go to the solar-coaster.com website and fill in our little, our little send a question to solar coaster box, if you would. Excellent. Okay, Jay, I think we actually have a little bit more time here. Which one do you want to jump on? You want to... Uh, Talk uh, you want to you want to talk about Hank's cool hydrogen research? Yeah, let's let's go over to Hank. Uh, so you, you, we've you, talked you, about you, Hank plenty, you, but you've been there. Uh, sure. Yeah. You, uh, for, for those that don't know, Hank Rogers is um, the guy who actually flew to uh, Russia a number of years ago to negotiate the license for Tetris. Uh, but he's been working on Big Island to uh, come up with a number of interesting renewable technologies. And one of the things he's trying to do is actually promote um, hydrogen research. Yeah, he, um, yeah, geez, I mean, he's got this ranch out there, right? And he's got this huge array, <clears throat> and it's, uh, I guess it's, uh, you know, related to Blue Planet Energy and the Blue Planet uh, Foundation, uh, but he had all of these fuel cells that he had gotten from 
some kind of a like a government warehouse where they said you can buy these and then you have, but you have to take everything. So he was able to go into this place and ship all these things over to his uh, his facility. And now it's kind of like a, a think tank out there. They're trying to uh, you know find different ways to to uh, to to use hydrogen as a storage mechanism. And they're actually you know demonstrating it on a regular basis. It's a pretty inspiring. Yeah, place. And, it really, and, it, and it really does work. I've been I've been talking about this before. Um, we had a lot of controversy with that hydrogen fuel station. I think it was last month that that blew up um, in Norway. And people, of course, have this gut instinct that that hydrogen bad. I mean, we all saw the Hindenburg um, videos when we were kids, and, and we, we know that, that hydrogen will burn. Um, but it can be controlled. It generally can, can be very, very safe. Um, what I'd like to see is... is uh, I guess hydrogen has a problem where you can't just have a bunch of vehicles because there's no infrastructure for charging. It's not like your your electric vehicle where you can take it home and you can plug it into your wall, even if it's slow and you don't have a special charger installed in your house. You can still do it. With hydrogen, there's simply no way to get more unless you have a fueling station. And nobody wants to build that infrastructure because there are no cars on the road. So it's a chicken and the egg problem. All right, so we need like a widespread um, support for this to be able to have both the infrastructure and then the the cars to be able to consume it. Yes, essentially a government mandate, and that's what's just come through right now. Um, state legislature passed the uh, the HB four hundred one, um, which um, allow um, the partnerships with uh, private sector energy transport companies, and that's the impetus for the new uh, bus, the hydrogen bus system and that i what was it a, a ford uh converted ford that was also uh, I think oh, a 550 big um for, to, for big island and so that's how they're trying to jumpstart these um that this hydrogen vehicle adoption is having at least a number a few um city vehicles that definitely need the infrastructure and then we'll start seeing more more vehicles uh pop up as as people buy them and i'm pretty sure that hank and his his group are are, are involved in that particular uh bit of legislation so uh, help me understand i mean if you're certainly I guess that's what they say here the idea is that to use public transportation to prime the pump so to speak and get the infrastructure in place help people learn about hydrogen mm -hmm. one of the things they did over yeah. there they spent a lot of time talking about safety they talk about it in terms of battery storage you know uh, from uh, cobalts to ferrous phosphate they have a lot of videos ready to be sh you know shown in the farms all education and then they talk about hydrogen they bring out a uh, like a little uh, what looks like a propane tank and it's filled with hy hydrogen <clears throat> and then they light it and they uh, they, they kind of Demonstrate it because people are kind of inherently, uh, I guess, because of Hindenburg, a little bit, you know, scared of hydrogen as a natural state a lot of the times, right? So then, and they yeah. they just demonstrate all of the, you know, what hydrogen actually is and kind of re-educate. Uh, and it's pretty remarkable. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, but but when it comes to these trucks and these buses, it's being how, how is it being held and how is it being stored? That still isn't clear to me. Do you know that? <clears throat> is it like uh, um, special I mean, tanks and stuff? To store it, yeah, to store it like any compressed gas, you just pump more in. <laughs> well, what I heard was that the because hydrogen is so small, it can create problems in the seals and things like that, and it can create like it that is that is very much an issue that they have. But those were those were I addressed. I actually met a couple people at our our first SPI a couple of years ago um, that that were doing just that. So the seals oh, can absolutely be be managed. Um, all that stuff can be handled with technology. It's just not the same as your average gas pump. Okay, folks, looks like we're here at the end of the show. This has been The Solar Coaster. We're sponsored by Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and LG Chem. A lot of cool things happening out there in the world, and uh, we really appreciate you listening to, uh, to the show today. And Have a wonderful weekend. All right, go plant a tree. I said it three times. <laughs>